Hi, I'm Richard Mack, and this is NYB Cast conversations with interesting people who are breaking barriers and forging the way for new medicine. Are you looking for health, for healing, for vitality? Join us at MYB Cast to meet people who are leaders in their field and learn to turn your life around to be the best you can be. I'd like to welcome Elliot and Stephanie Negron Black. Elliot is a Nagori shaman and a sorcerer, and Stephanie is an occult minister. On this episode, we're talking about Elliot's story about how he found himself on the road to becoming a shaman and a sorcerer. In healing ceremonies throughout the world, medicine men or shaman have used and still use sound to heal. Shamans often regard illness as being caused by imbalance or disharmony in the body or spirit, and they typically use drums, rattles, or musical accompaniment to restore the natural harmony of the body. With the aid in chanting and dancing, the shaman tries to contact a guardian spirit who can help to heal the individual. The word shaman is a Siberian origin. In some parts of the world, shaman is regarded as a sorcerer or a seer. Such shamans have developed methods for creating visions in which they visit the spirit realm. The shaman shifts into different states of consciousness and travels to other realms to contact guardian spirits that aid in the healing of others. So let's talk shamanism. Is I want to use your shaman name, but I'm not sure if I'm saying it correctly. That's his Brahmin name, your not Brahmin. his shaman name. Well, so why don't you give us your Brahmin name and tell us how you came into that? Sure. My name is Elliot Negron Black, but my shamanic name is Aguri Ikeshvara Shiva Baba. Uh, that is my second spiritual name. This particular name came to me last year by an Aguri master from India. After receiving several initiations in 2018, I received a certain level of uh, transmission through the Aguri Masters of India, which required a new name to be taken up. And so this name was given to me, Ikeshvara Shiva Baba. So Ikeshvara means the unknown, and Shiva Baba means a father of all religion, a spiritual who embodies all the religions. Aguri is from the uh, tradition of the Agura. Aguri means non-fear, non-terrifying. The Agura trains their mind to go beyond duality so there is no attachment or aversion in their mind. So the Aguri term means to neutralize or to go beyond duality. So an Aguri shaman is a specific type of shaman versus traditional shamanism. This particular uh, Aguri shamans are more like sorcerers. And sorcerers and shamans are quite a little bit different. Shamanism is like you having your, your master's degree and, and sorcery is like your PhD. At one time, they were together, and uh, as far as traditional training, you would train as a shaman and then eventually as a sorcerer. Now they're kind of split apart. Sometimes sorcerers are looked at as black magicians or dark uh, spirits, but that's not true. A sorcerer is someone who sources from the multiverse universe and sources energy to 
bring into this reality to affect change for worldly matters versus a shamanist in charge to bring back harmony, harmony within an individual, a community, and harmony with the community and the spirit world. That makes sense? Totally. Fascinating. And Stephanie? Wait, I, I have to add. So okay. a shaman, their job is to bring harmony? Restore harmony. Peace. Everywhere? To the person's body, mind complex, to the community, to the earth. That's their job. And a sorcerer. Go over that again. A sorcerer is someone who's working with the principle of balance, the principle of chaos and order. A sorcerer is someone who sources from the multiverse universe and whatever particular energy they need to help influence this reality here to create balance also. And sometimes it's to affect change for a personal need for someone. So a sorcerer could be independent, sometimes not thinking ecologically, but a true master of sorcerer thinks always on an ecological level and always thinks about balance. And what is the multiverse? Multiverse universes, many universes within universes. So a sorcerer can source energy from planets, from the realms of the fairies, from other universes, the Polaris star. There's universe within universes. You know, I think back, my first introduction to sorcery was watching the Walt Disney movie Fantasia, which is by far my favorite movie of all time. And the Sorcerer's Apprentice scene, or that little episode that they have in there. The reason I bring that up is the idea of the power a sorcerer takes on. And if that power or energy is not used correctly, it creates havoc. How does one keep themselves centered and into the correct flow of the universe as a sorcerer? A very important part of sorcery is one has to be grounding his or her energy daily and throughout the day. So, you know, we live in an age now where we're so disembodied, right? We carry our phones and our reality is in front of our phone. We're not even looking at our around. So we're very disconnected. We're probably accessing more of the upper realm chakras, throat chakra from phone technology communication, and uh, the third chakra more using your effort and will and some of the heart. But I say the last decade, a lot of the first chakra has been coming more disconnected from the earth. And so we create imbalances in our psyche. We make wrong decisions because of fear. We're not properly grounded. So as a sorcerer and shaman, one of the things I do all day long is throughout the day, I have spiritual practices that I'm grounding my energy, attuning my feet to the earth, connecting to the earth chakra. The earth star chakra is about 14 inches below the earth, connecting to the energy daily and throughout the day. Because as a sorcerer, I have to traverse many realities at the same time, maintain awareness and vigilance this current reality. So did you just wake up one day and said, I want to be a sorcerer. <laughs> no, I had no aspiration to be a shaman or sorcerer. That's something that uh, creeped up slowly upon me. Can you share a little? Uh, sure. You know, I've always been connected to the spirit world. I was a young boy. I remember sitting at my parents' house in the backyard and feeling connected with nature, the trees and the plants. And I felt they were alive. I would always be playing out in the yard, but I felt something with nature, but I wasn't sure what was going on, but I knew there was a connection. But as I started getting older, I started seeing things around the spirit world, spirits. Sometimes I would see them across from a room. Sometimes I would have a connection. We're hearing voices in my head. And then as I was getting older, my grandmother and people were always calling me the light. My friends would see something inside of me that was a little bit different. And I recognized that my perception was different and how I would see reality versus generally my friends and stuff like that. But as I started getting older, I started tuning into all different types of healing modality, healing modalities to help 
clients that I was working with. And at that point, I was working with clients on weight loss, fitness, hypnosis, to help uh, strengthen the mind, to have more strength and power. I was um, journeying, so to speak, with clients and myself. I started accessing all types of deeper spiritual practices. So shamanism started coming in for me around 22, 23 years old. I went to Arizona first, and my friend and I were dancing out in the desert, and we saw a coyote looking at us. And it was coyote medicine that first started to come into my life. And so I started studying a little bit of shamanism back then, what is coyote, and started learning the medicine of coyote. And they're tricksters. They teach you about how to dance with chaos and how to find stability and the uncertainty. And I feel like that's what's going on now. I feel like the coyote medicine is coming to the earth now, showing itself, helping humanity to prepare for the uncertainty that we're going through. And then I first met a shaman around 23, 24, where I was an interpreter. Someone asked me to interpret for the shaman who only spoke Spanish while he was divining and figuring out remedies for their clients. I would interpret for the shaman. And the shaman said to me that one day you'll be a shaman. He said, you have the heart of a shaman, but you're too young right now. I was, I think, 24, 25. So from that point, I started studying shamanism, finding books. What does that mean? What does that really look like? And how does a shaman live? How does a shaman move through time and space? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. When this man said, one day you'll be a shaman, how did that hit you? What was the feeling of that for you at that time? Do you remember? Well, I was a little bit taken back by it because I still had aspiration as a competitor bodybuilder. <laughs> so I was actually competing. I was in a high level of fitness. I was winning, you know, Mr. East Coast bodybuilding championship. I was winning all these big titles and stuff like that, having a good time. And I had aspirations to be a, a professional bodybuilder, quite frankly, not a uh, shaman. But although I was in touch with shamanism, because even when I was competing and I was training very intensely, I was tuned to Ascendant Masters back then. I was doing meditation with Metatron and all different types of uh, Ascendant Masters while I was actually getting ready for contests. Mm-hmm. So it was not surprising but I knew that the responsibility as a shaman is heavy. And I knew that if that happens, that everything's going to change. So part of you probably was like, oh, no. <laughs> I probably was like, I could take that on. But my ego was like, well, what about my body? What about egg whites? What about, you know, protein? So here I am, 24, 25. My entire identity is from 15 years old. I was competing by the time I was 17. My entire identity was built upon my physical body. So it was a little bit hard for the ego to adjust, but I metabolized it. And then I started to see the messages and the omens coming in. How long did that take? It was late October 1998 when I was going into my first Saturn return. I found myself sitting on my terrace and writing a letter to the universe in my journal. I would communicate sometime with the universe with you know writing. And so I said to the universe, dear universe, as I entered my Saturn return, I'm ready to take responsibility for what is my highest destiny of what we call the great work. And signed my name, sat meditation. It was a great feeling. A few days later, I get a phone call from my mother that my father, she found him on the floor in the basement and uh, he had a brain aneurysm. It was interesting because that was an omen for me because Saturn sits in my ninth house. The astrological house of ninth house is the house of father, the house of guru the house of higher knowledge. And it just happened to also in that constellation, I have the star that comes from the Aries constellation called Ashwini. And Ashwinis are medical doctors. They're mythological horses that are physicians. And my Saturn sits right in that constellation. So this Saturn return activated my healer energy, my healer archetype. 
So I went to see my father and that started my journey. My father was in a coma for four days. Immediately upon arriving and assessing the situation, taking it in on an emotional human level and then more of a shamanic level, went back home and got his Walkman that he would use and got his audio tapes that he would listen to in the afternoons when he would rest between his duty at home. He was retired. But he would listen to these beautiful shamanic music and also Bocelli. He would listen to different types of music to relax. And I basically got back to the hospital and played the tape, put the headphones on him, and got a pack of batteries and taped the play button so it won't never go off and put on auto reverse so it keeps turning over and over. So playing music for him while he was in a coma. So the neural pathway, the nervous system, his unconscious mind was still there. So it would activate all the neurons and fire off all the energies that he accumulated from listening the memories, the good feelings. And so kept his body still some level firing off information. Now they told me that he would never walk again and that he was basically going to be pretty much done finding a nursing home. Well, that's not true. After I was done with my father at the nursing home, I got him, we put him in a nursing home, but we only had eight weeks. I said, Dad, your insurance only pays for eight weeks. So we got to get out of here in eight weeks. I said, we got to make this happen. And every day I would go to the nursing home, the Van Dyke nursing home here in Montclair, I had him come to Montclair so I could see him three times a day. And I would work with him. I would work with his body. I would do all different stuff to help him move, think, regain some mobility. I remember having him hold the doorknobs at the door and he would squat. I would have him do squats every day. He went from one, barely one squat, barely came and walked to leaving the uh, nursing home, walking with a cane and with the ability to do 276 squats consecutively. Wow. You were quite a trainer. I was, yeah. And that really started opening up my shamanic path. And it was interesting. When he first woke up from the coma, he looked at me. He goes, I didn't know you were a witch doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so he was seeing something in the spirit world. He said, you know, something I could do it on brujo, right? I didn't know you were a witch doctor. And what did you say back in Spanish? I said, I didn't And so it was... You know, that Saturn return for me was very intense. First of all, I got to know my father in ways I would have never known him just didn't happen. So it was very a privilege. It was beautiful. But it was intense. Those two years of working with my father and really uh, it opened up a whole entire thing in my psyche for my spiritual shamanic path. That was truly the first level initiation. And then after that period, my father passed away about five, six years later. He was much older, so he would just passed away from time to death process. So I finished my Saturn return. And at 33, I went to Egypt. At that point, it was right after 9-11. So people were pretty concerned why I was going to Egypt. But I had for years on my night table, the picture of the pyramids for like about eight years, knowing that I was going to one day go there. And so it was time when I went with a group. At that point, I said, I better go now because we probably will never have access to that place in you know, years to come as far as the level of security, you know. And it just happened that uh, the group that was facilitating the, the trip, it was three weeks long, and um, the individual who was facilitating the trip, when we arrived to Egypt, she said to me, hey, in your past life, you're a shaman priest. Would you be okay facilitating a ceremony inside the pyramid? I said, uh, yeah, sure. She said, okay, here's the book of the day. Here's some passages you need to read. And so I just started doing photo reading and photo reading is a skill set. I learned how to, you know, take in more information on a subconscious level. And so that we would be driving to all the different sites, all the different temple. I would just kept photo reading the book, trusting my unconscious mind that information will come to me. 
That's a super conscious mind. That was like three weeks we were traversing through Egypt. And then at the last five days, we were heading towards the pyramids, the Great Pyramid. And she asked me, okay, pick one person to go with you inside the pyramid. And we will meet you there in two hours. And she goes, when you arrive, give this letter to the security and show your identification. So we arrived and I show my letter, I show my identification, and they're reading the letter, they're looking at me like how this guy had this all easy access pass, you know. So what happened was they cleared the pyramid now. They actually evacuated the pyramid. For you? For me and the individual and the group that's coming in about two hours. So I had to go inside the pyramid and do a cleansing. Now this is inside the king's chamber. Wow. All right, so I'm inside the pyramid, they were saying to the place, and I'm doing a banishing ritual of pentagrams, doing all types of cleansing process. And finally, the group arrived, and the woman arrived who was facilitating. She said, lift your arm up, and I'm getting dressed into a white robe. And she hands me a serpent staff. And there's 19 people, and here I am about to facilitate a ceremony, not knowing what the hell I was going to do. And then suddenly, boom, I was taken. I was in a trance. And it was interesting, because I was born with a Catholic background. And so, you know, I had a connection with Christ. Christ did not come in. It was Moses that showed up for me. I was at that time studying the mystical Kabbalah. There's no coincidence there. But that at that point there, I see Moses flashing all over the place. It was very interesting. And I felt like he was guiding me as I was facilitating a ceremony inside the pyramid, helping individuals, doing a process and all this kind of stuff. The ceremony lasted about two hours. I don't remember what happened. I do remember being in a meta position, watching myself, almost like I was walking on ice, gliding, sliding back and forth. It was strange. That meta position I was able to see myself, that was the beginning also developing like a second eye to hope, allowing your body to be possessed, right? The shaman becomes hollow and allows the spirit to work through him or her to bring the healing. Like that's really what a shaman is. He's hollow like a bamboo, hollow enough to allow the spirit to take place in the appropriate spirit for the appropriate context or the appropriate situation. So was that scary? No, it's not. Completely in trust. I felt very comfortable. I felt safe and guided. And so that process happened. And I remember people were asking me, like, do you do this every day? Like, they're like, <laughs> shocked. Like, is this something you do? I go, ah, uh, no. This is the first time. <laughs> I go, many, many lifetimes. But that's something I usually do. <laughs> it was a pretty auspicious so first time. Yeah. So that was a major shift after leaving the pyramids and what happened inside there, it was remarkable. That pretty much precipitated the dramatic change in my subconscious and the shaman spirit awakening deeper and deeper. And then uh, about 2005, a couple of years after that, we went to, uh, to the jungle of Peru. And then that's when we started journeying with Mother Ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask about that. In our next episode, we'll be speaking to Stephanie Negron Black about her spiritual upbringing. Join us. MYB Cast is produced and engineered by Mitch Lieber, recorded at Beef Machine Studios. MYB Cast is sponsored by Mind Your Body, a somatic movement therapy, yoga therapy, and meditation clinic located in Cedar Grove, New Jersey. Mind Your Body specializes in the Traeger approach. For more information, contact us at mindyourbody.us or visit the Traeger website, traegerapproach.us.